few who are visiting us for the first time, uh, my name is Judah. I'm one of the pastors here at Word of Grace, and it's been my privilege to share the Word the past few weeks. And I started a series called Spirit and Truth, which is focusing on really diving into the Word of God and seeing what worship is about. Uh, depending on your background, worship is often something that has to do with music or some kind of song part of the service. Uh, we, call, we call this kind of a gathering a worship service, right? Um, or if you're in a modern church environment, the worship experience, right? But the issue is a lot of these things try and hit something and always miss it. Because the, at the heart of worship is seeing God. At the heart of worship is seeing God. And we dealt with that the first week. That the, I've, I've split these messages in a memorable way so that you can remember it easily into five R's. So all the five weeks, I'm going to be working with one R or the other, okay? And some weeks, I might deal with two or three. But the first R is God has revealed himself. So if worship is to happen, there must be a revelation. Without revelation, you cannot worship God. Simply put, how can you worship or how can you respond to someone you have not seen? If you did not know who I was and you just heard a voice, I, you, and, you, and I say, tell me about myself, you'd be like, well, I don't know who you are. And that's the same with God. The problem is we have a lot of people who have read Bible text or grew up in VBS or some kind of a church background, and they're like, well, I know God. Now, you know something's about this person called God, but you don't know Him. And the state of the church today, sadly, is we have rooms full of people who are called Christian. And this is not a slight on anyone sitting in this room or listening online. That is not the point. But we have to check ourselves and say, have we grown up in a system that has not fundamentally answered this primary question? Have I seen God? Do I know this God we are talking about? The God of this Bible, do I know Him? So that is our pursuit. So when we talk about 2023 being a year of divine pursuit, that is our pursuit. I must know God. I cannot just know about Him. I cannot just sit there in a church service and say, well, I was born in a Christian family, so it's just more of the same stuff. I like it. That's not a good enough answer. If you have not known God, you cannot see and taste and see that He is good. Secondly, God has revealed Himself, and in Scripture we went through a few ways God has revealed Himself, but one of the most fundamental ways God has revealed Himself in Scripture is He is our Father. And a revelation leads to a relationship. Without a relationship with God, the revelation just sits there by itself. But a revelation, a revelation that leads to a relationship invites you into a personal knowing. And this has been God's heart right from the start. And we will cover this later on when we talk about our topic for today. But to understand that when God revealed Himself as Father, He wanted you to know that He was concerned about you. That He wanted you to be close to Him. Okay? So the first week we dealt with the glory and the holiness of God, that God is not like us. He's not remotely like anyone we know. But this God who is so indescribable someone you cannot put into words says I want to be with you I want you to know my heart I want you to come and sit with me this has been his his plan right from the start when he created Adam and Eve his purpose was that he would share his heart with them so when you deal with the fact that God has revealed Himself and He's invited us into His relationship, on the one hand you have this 
really glorious and holy God. And on the other hand, he says, I'm your father. Come and spend some time. To reconcile these two, it's hard sometimes because you don't know, should I be so overawed that I don't go close? Or should I run because he is my father? And this is where I love this. He's your father, but Jesus manifested him to you. So that you wouldn't be like left guessing. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Let's read that. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, what does it say? Jesus is the manifestation, the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact representation of God in all His glory. Right? He upholds the universe by the power of His word. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is the Jesus that walked this earth. So you're dealing with the holy, glorious God. And Jesus says, let me show you who He is. We beheld His glory. But not only that, read John chapter 14, verses 7 through 10. This is another side of the revelation of God. Jesus was talking to his disciples, and then Philip, and you, you say, if you, if you imagine like a little room, all the disciples are there, and they have, they're having a conversation with Jesus. And um, Jesus talks to them, and he says in John chapter 14, he had just finished saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you have that chapter? This is chapter 14, verses 7 through 10. And then he says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Because Philip asks, Lord, show us the Father. Because he says, I've come to do the will of my Father. And he says, no one gets to the Father except through me. So he's like, he's the good kid in the class. He's like, so then show us the Father. He's like, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you this long or so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does these works. So he's showing you God reaching out as a father in the way he treated his disciples. In the way that he drew close. This is the same person. How many of you did the, the study when we read John? Right? And how many times do you see John referring to himself as the one Jesus loved? Right? And then when it was close to the Last Supper, you see him laying down on Jesus' chest and chilling out. And, you know, he makes mention of that in his book. That same John, talking about the same Jesus, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 says, I saw him and I fell to the ground and I couldn't even lift myself up. The same Jesus. Except one was revealing the Father heart of God, and the other, in the, not two different people, same person, revealing the awesome holiness and glory of God. That I could not even stand before Him. Same John, same Jesus, two different times in history. And the Holy Spirit was given to us, and this is why you need to see it in this succession. God the Father has revealed Himself. Jesus manifests who God is to us as a Father. And then He says, I have given you my Holy Spirit. Read John chapter 14, verse 26. Whom the Father will send. And He will take everything that Jesus is and the revelation of who God is and disclose it to you. He will teach you how to perceive God. 
Not your attempt at trying to get to know God. Not you wearing underpants and going and sitting on the top of the Mount Everest, hoping to connect with God. It is you saying, God has revealed himself in his son, and the Holy Spirit has been given to anyone, to anyone who responds to this call. He says, he's given them the right to be called children of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 through 14, we covered this last week. The Holy Spirit who we have been given helps us understand the things freely given to us by God. You are not sitting here trying to figure out, okay, what's the right technique to get to know God? He says, I've already given you an ability to understand the things of God. So your intellect is not going to be what gets you there. Your ability to decipher things is not going to be what gets you there. His Holy Spirit who dwells within you says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creature. Everything that is within them has been made brand new. So now you have a spirit that is alive to God, that can know God. So you're no longer taking stabs in the dark. Why did I share all this? Because it is so crucial that you understand the position you stand on when you deal with this next aspect of getting to know God, which is the reverence. The R that we're going to deal with today is reverence. God has revealed Himself. He has called you into a relationship with Him, but there must be reverence for who He is in His fullness. The church of today, sadly, emphasizes because God is my Father, we have a faulty illegitimate grace doctrine that works in the church. There is nothing that you and I can do to achieve the love or the favor of God. Nothing you and I can do can make Him look past sins that have been committed. But Jesus. So that is the work of grace. So what we were incapable of, God did. However, now, standing in this grace, He has called us to certain things. He has called us to a life that is not lived on our terms. You have been bought with a price. You are not your own. So when we, a few weeks ago, when you heard Bob imploring you, Go deeper. Do you have a hunger for God? It seems like a redundant question. You're talking to church people. But guess what? There isn't a hunger for God. Why? Because we've got comfortable with the idea that God fills in the gaps. So we do not bring to God a heart that says, teach me. Wherever there is disrepair, wherever there is a carelessness or a stubbornness, we let it sit and we say, well, but for the grace of God. Right? We love that. We love that the grace of God covers over our sin. But does the grace of God mean you continue the way you were living? This is where this third R comes in. And this is something that is not an Old Testament concept. This is all through the New Testament. In John chapter 15, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he, we, we know that from the story of the vine, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. What does John chapter 15 verse 15 say? I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. The goal of God's intent for His people is that He could draw them close. Let me put it this way. If I said Indiana is a community, you guys know people in Indiana, right? 
How many people know me well? You guys know me? I mean, I've, I've said hello to most of you. I know some of you a bit better. But how many of you know me? <laughs> Donovan's getting close. But there is nobody who knows me like Hannah does. Nobody. I mean, you, you guys all know me. Do you understand? It's that kind of a concept. When you say you have a relationship with God, absolutely. But this is the fallacy that is running in the church, that we all have the same relationship with God. You do not. You do not even have the same access to the things of God. Why? Because it is connected to this third R. He has given you the platform for a relationship that he says, come spend time, let's talk. But the secrets of the Lord are not just thrown out there. He will not just simply lay it out there. Well, because you're covered in my beloved son, so everything is yours. Everything in theory is yours. But in actuality, only the one who draws close. Only the one who draws close to seek after him. You cannot just simply have it and claim it. This is where theology goes off the rails. The secrets of the Lord are for those who fear him. And this is what we're going to deal with today. And I want you to put it in a very clear space. Because th this is one of those things that can be misunderstood and taken on different tangents. But these are the things that have gone haywire in the church today. We love the things of God, but we're not willing to know Him. So I'm going to explain this so you don't get the wrong end of this. Because it's important that you understand that when God calls you near... He's saying, I have done everything that needs to be done that you will have. Everything that I have. Everything. He's not holding a single thing back. That is true. Take that to the bank. But everything that he has comes with his presence. The issue is, do I want his presence with me? And for me to have his presence with me, I need to have reverence. Your revelation and relationship will always grow in the context of your reverence for God. Let me say that again. Your revelation and your, and your relationship with God will always grow in the context of your reverence for Him. If you do not reverence God, if there isn't a healthy fear of God in your life, the revelation you have will always stay at a certain place. The relationship you have with God will always stay at a certain place. There are many of us who sit in church meetings. There are many of us who have grown up in church culture who are very familiar with the fact that Jesus has paid for my sin. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That is a big, big thing. But now having been saved, how much more shall we be saved by His life? But do we pursue that? We have been given access, but access, as you know, is not giving you the keys to everything. Let me explain this concept just so you don't understand what I mean when I say, so that you don't misunderstand when I say not everyone has the same access. Because Jesus is an all-access card, right? My children live in my house. They have access to everything that is mine, including my retirement. I am not giving my son access to my retirement yet. I am not giving him access to the water hose yet. 
Do you, do you get the, do you get the is it for him? Do I want him to enjoy himself this summer? Do I want him to have lots of water slides? But I'm paying the water bill. Do you, do you get that? So there are certain things where until I have seen a maturity in my son to handle the hose well, access to the hose is going to be held for a time. It's not withheld from him, but it's withheld for a time till I see certain things formed. So as believers, what God has called us to is this idea of saying, come meet with me, I'm your father, I want to teach you things, I want to teach you to know my heart, I want you to teach you to walk in my ways, so that I can give you the water hose, and then I can give you the car, the car keys, and then we'll get you an apartment. It's that kind of giving of access to the riches that is in God, and the Holy Spirit says, this is free for you. You're not going to earn it. You're never going to earn it. Do you understand? This is where you need to hold the doctrine of grace so tight. Because you're never going to earn it from God. But he says, as I grow up in him, he says, here you go, son. Go ahead. And enjoy it fully. Don't, don't, don't enjoy it like, oh, I don't know if he's going to take it away. No. He says, you have already done the work that is necessary to have this. So you're not looking over your shoulder in case he might change his mind. He loves to be a generous giver. But he's not going to throw it out there and then see you wreck it. He's a good father. So how do you hold these things in balance? Justification, Romans chapter 5 verse 1, tells you that since... We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God. There is, God is on your side. If I were to say that in very simple language, God is not against you. Because of sin that lives within you, because of the things that you have done and possibly could do in the future, He says, my enmity is not against you. I have justified you to my side. You are on the right side of history now. We have peace with God, not the peace of God, the peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, that is being justified. But this is what I want you to understand. Position does not necessarily mean practice is happening. They're two different things. There are lots of believers who understand their position in Christ even theoretically but don't know that it follows through into a practice. And this is where we get the word sanctification. So justification says you are right with God. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 28 and 29 says, Therefore, since we have received a kingdom that which, which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Because God... What is that? Is a consuming fire. Having been justified by a holy God, he says, I want you to walk with me in holiness. He has called you holy. You are not going to make yourself holy if he did not make you holy. But he says, now I have set you on this journey where you're going to hold my hand. But you're going to grow up. You're going to grow up. I am not going to leave you in diapers. When you're 20 years old, I don't want to be getting depends. Do you understand? He wants you to grow up into maturity. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have obeyed, now not only in my presence, but also much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with what are those words there? This is New Testament. This is not Old Testament. The problem is, this is the things we sidestep in the church of God. Because there isn't this idea that I am accountable to somebody for how I live. Because Jesus covered my sin, man. It's all good. Jesus. 
God is holy. God is holy. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Does that mean you're going to earn anything from Him? Does it mean you're going to suddenly make Him like you more? But in view of His mercy, in view of this mercy that I have received, I present myself a living sacrifice. We were reconciled in Romans chapter 1, verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 10, sorry. Romans 5, verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. So there is a position of reconciliation you have. So God's not trying to make you a child of His. You are. He has reconciled you to Himself. How much more then shall we be reconciled Shall we, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life? The living with God is what matters. The problem is we want to stop. We are reconciled. There is a journey of knowing Him that He has invited you to, but you would much rather stay at the place. I'm not saying you. I'm saying this is where we sometimes get stuck. I get stuck in this. There are days when God has to pull me up and say, Son, I have told you to walk with me, not just hold my card, the ID card. Oh, I got, I'm a card-carrying member. I got it. I don't care if you have the card. Do you know me? When was the last time you went to the gym? I know you have a membership. It's that kind of thing. But Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5 say this. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation and for you I wait all day long. Is there a cry within our hearts? This goes back to that teaching about the living water. Is there a cry within our hearts that says, Lord, I wait for you all day long. There is a desperate need to be close to you. A desperate need to be close to you. Psalm 25, verse 12 through 14. Who is the man who fears the Lord? To him. That is the kind of person God will instruct in the way to choose. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord. Remember what we talked about in John chapter 15. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And to them, he makes known to them, I am your Father. I will be with you. I will be God to you. You know, if you're ever feeling like, I don't know if God's got my back, guess what? Get close to His back. Quick. Get, get there quick. The problem is, life has always been about us. I don't know if God understands what I'm going through. It wasn't about you to begin with. But He is not indifferent to your pain. He is not indifferent to your struggle. He longs to be near to you, but you are saying, I'm over here and I don't know why God doesn't get me. It's not about Him getting you. It's about you drawing close to Him and saying, Lord, this is, a, this is hard. I don't understand this. He would love to go over those things. But it's in the context that relationship is unlocked through reverence. If you for a second think you owe it to me to do good things for me, when I hear atheists talk about how a good God could do, could allow bad things to happen, how many of you have heard that argument? Okay. Now, the issue is we're starting from a premise that it was all about us having a good life. No responsibility taken for what we as humanity have done. However, when we say, Lord, I will draw close to you, this reverence of God is what says, Lord, show me your face. I was reading this the other day, and I thought it's worth saying it just the way it is. This is by a lady named Joy Dawson. 
when we see him face to face in all his awesome holiness and blazing glory, it will seem incredible to us that we ever had a casual thought about him. The, it's hard to explain it because we have grown up in it and mo most of us have different experiences in church. But if there is one thing that typifies the church experience for most of us, it's casual. We must have a to draw near. Psalm 27, verse 8. And this is the Lord speaking. He said, seek my face. And what is my immediate response to that? Lord, your face I will seek. This is what God is looking for in his kids. Go back to that passage in Hebrews 12. When he said that he was going to shake all things. He's the God who created all things. And he says, once again, I will shake not just the earth, the heavens and the earth. This is the God we're dealing with. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. And this whole idea of the fear of the Lord, and I want to break it up into this very simple two categories, if I, if I may. To fear the Lord. What is it to fear the Lord? To fear the Lord is to tremble at His presence. How many of you know the song, Tremble? I, everyone loves that song. But guess what? The one thing that that song never talks about is us trembling. It talks about darkness trembling, everything else trembling. But when do the people of God tremble when God is in the room? This has been shaking me for a while now. And there has been a, an overwhelming sense for me as, a, as someone who teaches the Word of God. I have not done a great job of teaching the people of God to fear Him. And it is critical for you to know Him. It's like me sending you out on the road without the, the main thing that turns the ignition. If you want to be filled, of the, filled with the Holy Spirit, you must fear the Lord. If you want to know the, how much He has saved you from your sin, you must fear the Lord. If you want to grow in your relationships, if you want to excel in the things that God has called you to do, you must fear the Lord. And guess what? Most of us in this room walk in the fear of God without necessarily putting all those words on it. But guess what? There are so many areas in our life we're totally oblivious to it. So my purpose today is to draw you back to this place that this is, it is not just scriptural in an Old Testament sense. It's scriptural in a New Testament saved by the work of Jesus sense that I must be careful how I walk. I cannot walk like an unwise person on this earth. If you read through Paul's letters, you will see this over and over again, how much he references, I must be living in the fear of God. So he asks the Corinthian church, the Ephesian church, all of them, he talks to them about living with a conscience that is clear before God, living in the fear of God. Isaiah 66, verse 2. So the presence of God is something we should treat at, not treat casually. Secondly, 
When you look at the earth and all the things that have been made, He made these things, declares the Lord. But the one to whom I will look, He is the one who is humble and contrite in spirit. And what does this person do? They're humble and contrite in spirit. That means they're ready to receive instruction. And what do they tremble at? His word. When God speaks, is it something that immediately stops you? I have done this, and there have been several times in my life, and I've heard other people say this too. Oh, you know, God's been dealing with me in this area of my life. And we almost say it like casually, like as though it was like a little chip, like, you know, God's, God's been giving me a little bit of, you know, in this area of my life, He's been pointing something out. You have the audacity to talk about that like as if it's some casual thing. The fact that God is putting His finger on something, He has spoken. I don't want to know about how long He's been doing it to you. There will be a time where He relents from saying it. To respond to God when He speaks. Quickly. Quickly. Because God has spoken. So when I read the word, I'm not reading something that is just, Oh, I guess it's, it's, it's a nice thought, you know. It's not a nice thought. I must respond when God speaks. So treasuring His Word starts to become a fundamental part of who you are. So I tremble at His presence and I tremble at His Word. And to understand this kind of trembling, I want to explain it. Because it's not being afraid of. The fear of God is not being afraid of Him. The fear of the Lord is a fear of being apart from Him. I am so connected to who He is and what He has done in my life, to be apart from it, I, I, I cannot do anything apart from Him. John chapter 15 verse 5. I, am, I live in the reality of abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me you can do nothing. So the moment I feel my spirit even move remotely outside of His covering, there is an immediate grab. I cannot do that. Put it in simpler terms. And this, this has been right through my life. Let me explain from my own living. When I first started dating Hannah and got to know her, and then we got married, there were times, it was very tempting when I would see someone who looked really beautiful. Someone really amazing. Someone I knew. And my heart would just... Mm, kind of entertain the idea. Just kind of. I mean, I'm not going to do anything. But that was a lack of fear. Because the only fear that withheld me was consequence. Do you, does that make sense? That is a form of the fear of the Lord. But it's a fear... That is only regarding my benefit. It would be detrimental to me. I would look like a total... Mm. Right? You fill in the blank. But instead of that, I don't want to do that because it'll look bad. Is that what should hold me back? No. It's not something holding me back. But something I am joined to repulses something else that says, I cannot do that. Because it violates this union that I have. I have a union with my wife that I cannot violate. I cannot violate. So every time my heart gets tempted by something, the fear of not, oh no, what if I get caught? It's not what if I get caught. The fear of, I cannot be separate from my wife. And that holds me fear of God. And it's not the fear of my wife that does that. I'm not afraid of something. But what I am is... There is a delight I take in her that I fuel constantly. And when those, when, the, when those early wobbles happened as a younger man, and I would constantly 
check myself and I'd say, and I'd bring other people into accountability, say, teach me because I need to know how to navigate this. And God had to help me stand up into pouring into this relationship. Now do you understand when I say not everyone has the same relationship? Because if I don't pour into this relationship and say, I must seek your face. You said seek my face. Lord, I will seek your face. Because guess what? This is what keeps this union going. The fact that you said I'm united to you, is that was his prerogative. But as far as I was concerned, I was busy entertaining other things. So when I said, Lord, no, your face I will seek, it keeps me in the fear of God. Does that make sense? So for me to be drawn to the presence of God and be, to be even like remotely drawn to anything else, immediately there is a check in your spirit. That does not make for union with God. Immediately there is a check in your spirit. This brings him displeasure. There are so many things about me. I'll continue with this analogy because it's easier to understand. I am not someone who comes with a predisposition towards Italian kind of food. Yeah. But the more, you, the more I've grown in union with this woman, I know she loves it. I know this brings her joy. And guess what? Surprise, surprise. I like lasagna now. <laughs> I can even have pasta now. Right? If you had shown me that stuff before, I'd be like, where's the rice, man? Just show me the rice. But to become someone where my joy starts to become found in her joy. This is what happens when you love somebody, not when you are afraid of someone. Do you see, there's a toxic control that some of our human relationships have where you feel drawn into something because they control you. And God refuses to act that way. He says, if you do not have a fear that, separate, that being apart from me should do, He says, I will leave you to your own devices. Oh, that my people would fear me. In Exodus chapter 20, 19 and 20, and this is something that's very important to understand. God was calling to the nation of Israel. He had taken them out of Egypt. He had set them free. He says, I bore them up on eagles' wings. And then he tells Moses, Moses had an access to God no one else had. He feared God. If there is one thing Moses was known for, he was known for being a man who feared God. And God says, but this is my people. Tell them to go clean themselves, do the ceremonial washings for three days, and come and meet me. Except don't touch the mountain. But all of you, I want all of you to come. So Moses did that. And then God started showing up the way he said he would. A cloud started, a dark cloud went over Mount Sinai. And there was a trumpet blast. Now imagine, you're, you're just a human being sitting here on earth. And a heavenly trumpet blast starts. You're like, it's coming from somewhere, but it's like, this is going over like metal concert level, sound levels. So it's like 150 dB plus. You're talking about like brain splitting kind of sound. Coming out of this mountain, it's, a, it's rumbling and it's dark. And God says, come meet with me. And then what they do is when Moses comes down, they're like, um, Moses, um, you know, like you talked to God, right? And you got like, you just went to the mountain and came back and you're still alive. And how about you go talk to him? We just don't want him to speak to us. We don't want him to speak to us. They said those words. You go speak to him and tell us what he says and we'll do that. And that's when God made this remark. Oh, that my people would fear me. Because they had the wrong kind of fear. They were afraid of him because of something that they 
to hide. Started in the garden. When God said, where are you? It wasn't him saying, are you playing hide and seek? Here I am. He wasn't doing that. He knew exactly where they were. The issue is, you're afraid of God. This is what the enemy does. He twists God's love for you and says, see, I knew he would like smite you down, so that's why you got to run. He's like, no, I want you to hold in this very clear balance. I am awesome and holy, but I am your father. Apart from me, you have no help. So when God calls them, in, let, me, let me read this verse here so that you see both, both the fears that they were walking in. This is in Exodus. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 19 and 20. And they said to Moses, you will speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us. Because we might die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear. So mark that. He said, don't be afraid. Then what does he carry on to say? For God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you. What? Moses, are you like losing your place in your sentence here? Like you just said, don't be afraid. And then you say, God's come to test you that his fear may be before you. Because there wasn't a reverence for who God was to them. And guess what happens literally a few chapters later? God gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them the law. And while God is doing that, they make a golden calf and start worshiping it. Just like that. And guess what they call that golden calf? They call the golden calf. Yahweh. That is the only time in scripture where the holy name of God was used for something that wasn't God. How? And God's heart is saying, oh, that my people learn to fear me for who I am so that they would not lose my place in this that when I speak, they respond with, Lord, I am coming. Not I'm running. I'm coming to you. I'm not running away from you. It's not, it's time to find the fig leaf. It's time to find something to cover me up quick because God's coming. You couldn't hide even if you tried. So when he comes to you and if he puts his finger on something in your life, please, humble and contrite heart is what he looks for. So the moment he sees someone who's teachable and someone who walks in the fear of God, he says, to that person, I will teach. I will teach them. You know what? They might have screwed up 1,500 times. They might be the most useless looking Christian from the outside. But I look at the heart and this heart is something that says, Lord, you said seek my face. Lord, I'm going to come. I don't care what the mountain looks like. It might be thundering. There might be dark clouds. It might look like I might be, I might be like peanut butter brittle very quick. But I, see, that is being afraid of. It's not saying God has called me to union with him. But it is not casual. Do you get that? And that's, if, if there is nothing else you understand about your union with God, is it's so amazing, there are things for you to discover. But it is not casual. It is not casual. So, how do you fear the Lord? Find out what He treasures. Find out what He delights in. Because when you find out what He likes, just like pasta and lasagna, you will start to find this might not have been your first chance or your first choice. But you start to find, I've been made new. 
I've been made for a oneness with this person that changes the desires of my heart. Not because they controlled me into it. Not because they controlled me into it. He refuses to control you into him. He says, I will have your heart and nothing else, but I will not make you do it. There is coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But that's by position. But what he is looking for is heart. Jeremiah 29 verse 4. When you start to see what God's heart was, in Jeremiah 29 he says, I want their heart. I don't want their words or their offerings. But if they know me, that is what I delight in. If anyone's going to boast about anything, let them boast in this. That they know me. For I am the God who works righteousness and justice. There it is. But let him who, who boasts, boast in this. That he understands and knows me. That I, the Lord, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight. What does he delight in? The one who goes after his heart. So how do you fear the Lord? Go after his heart. In Proverbs chapter 2 verses 1 through 5, we have a clear, it's almost like a step-by-step -step guide for how do you learn the fear of the Lord? How do you learn it? Proverbs 2 verse 1 through 5. It's right at the bottom. I'm skipping ahead. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, what should you do? When God speaks, this is that kind of tremble that a son or a daughter should have when the father speaks or when the mother speaks. The problem is, in our day, we are training people to have what we would call, well, does it make sense to me? Well, you got to tell me an instruction that I understand. There will be times you don't understand it yet. But my position over you, when I speak, there needs to be a trembling within you that says, my father or my mother is speaking. When you're training your children, if you're not training this fundamental aspect of learning to tremble at your word. When I speak, I'm not, I did not ask you whether you have an opinion about it. We will get to that if we have to. I am your father. There's a totally different position here. You are not the father of this house. When it comes to living life, we feel we are. We're the makers of our own destiny. God, I'll give you some input. When he speaks, please shut up. Please. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. And incline your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Do you know how to do this? Do you want to understand how to fear God? When God speaks, it is like nectar to me. It is like something I chase after. It's better than meadows. <clears throat> I, I go after it. It's like this is something I need. This is the tastiest thing I've ever tasted. Is it going to always be easy? No. Am I always going to get it? No. But I will cry out for understanding. I will cry out. And this has been, for my life, if there had been two things that I have I've read in Scripture, and this passage of Scripture is one of those things that I've prayed constantly. Lord, I want to have wisdom. But guess where the starting place of wisdom is? The fear of the Lord. 
I cannot get by knowing my God if I do not have a healthy understanding of who He is to me, that when He speaks, I zip it. I zip. Not, uh, you know, so I was thinking, uh, but you... He made you. He knows all that's going on. So when He says, come before me, remember, you might be sitting on a couch with Dad, but He's Dad. The problem is, in our modern context, Dad is supposed to be a buddy. Or mom is supposed to be that friend you never had. So when they let you down on the friendship side, you're like, but you weren't friendly. Ah. See, this is the problem where we, we feel like we have to force it into a cultural context. God is not trying to force it into your 21st century cultural context. If you are going to understand the fear of the Lord, you need to know that when He speaks, He has your interest in mind. So when He says something, His word makes you tremble. So do I hunger for the things of God? Do I want to go deeper? None of these things are going to be answered here today. These are things that you and I are going to have to do in the context of Lord you have called me out of darkness for a reason. I belong to you. If there have been any parts in my heart where I've been careful, where I have treated you casually, teach me to love you as a precious treasure, as my greatest delight, so that the obedience that comes from it is not because you made me do it. I just had one of these situations with my son. But I didn't do this, and why are you making me do it? And there was like this partial meltdown was happening. And I'm like, son, I am not trying to make you do something, but if you will just listen to my voice. I know that I'm not against you. I'm not trying to jip you from something that your siblings should have done and you could have not. And well, I said, like, we'll get through all of that later. Are you prepared to respond when I call? And this is a, uh, it's partly a rule in our house. Regardless of where they are, on the playground or inside the house or upstairs or wherever, if they hear their name, the only acceptable response in our house is yes, Appa, which is my name, or yes, Mama. And we have to hear it from wherever you are. If you are within earshot of me and you heard your name, the response is, yes, I'm coming. But it has to be a response to me personally. It cannot be, yeah, I'm almost done. I heard you. None of, we've had all of those responses too. But I want to gain within them understanding. The moment you hear my voice, you respond. The, I don't care whether you're in the middle of, and I'm in the, I was almost getting there. Because guess what? I am an earthly dad. I'm going to grow up many times. And I lose it. My, my wife loses it. But if there's one thing I can train in you, is that if I teach you the fear of the Lord, when you respond to God, there is an immediate, yes, Lord, I'm listening. And that is something we all need to work with. And that, that's been the thing that the Lord has been working on me, is Judah, when I call your name, why did you not respond? There wasn't a fear of who was speaking. It was an option. It was a suggestion. It was just him saying, Ah, oh, come on, buddy, you know I got this. No, he is my father, but he is God. I don't get to just be like, Ah, oh, you win some, lose some. I hope you're understanding the heart of what I'm getting at. I don't want you to ever think, Oh, God's now going to sit there and he's taking notes. He loves you. He knows all the notes there is to take on your life. This is for your benefit. The fear of the Lord is for your benefit. That you learn to say, when I hear my heavenly Father call, when He teaches me in the Word, so when I open the Word of God and the Word of God speaks to me, I don't treat it as, ooh, that would be nice. Lord, you're speaking to me. What would you have me do? 
I'm listening that I might do. As we come to communion, <clears throat> I just want us to respond with this simple thing. Lord, you have called us to yourself. So I want to respond in faith. I don't want to be someone who sits back waiting for something to happen. I want to take a step towards you. So when you say come, I'm going to say, Lord, I'm coming. I want to say, yes, Appa. I want to say, yes, Daddy. I'm coming. If you, if, when you call my name, you have put your spirit within me. You have given me the ability to hear your voice. I am, Lord, if there are times I have treated this casually, forgive me. Take this time right now. Just respond to the Lord. Because we are not here to please any man. We are not here to please any person. God is looking right through to our heart. And this is the thing that the Lord was impressing on me so much over these past few months. Judah, I want you to respond when I call. When I call your name, I want you to respond. It might be in something very small. It might be in things that are life-changing. But when you say it, Lord, my voice says, here I am. Can we do that right now? Let's just respond to the Lord.